This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to talk about hacking. Now, I'm not talking about the bad kind of hacking, but the ethical hacking that one hears about. These are This is a, a service, really, to companies to prevent bad things from happening to their own data and, and, and that of all of us. Uh, and our guest today is just the perfect guest to talk about this, Andre Solner. Andre, thank you for joining us today on this topic. Hey, Joe. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Now, Andre, you're the global CFO of a cybersecurity provider, and, and the name is WizLinks Group. That's W-I-Z-L-Y-N-X Group. And this is a, uh, as I understand it, a global ethical hacking and penetration testing provider. And we're going to yes. talk about this in detail, but that's what it is. And you've been focused for at least 20 years now on cybersecurity. Uh, you hold uh, so many certifications, it would take 15 minutes to describe them all. But one is a certified data privacy solutions engineer. And that's that's just so important uh, to protecting everybody's personal privacy and the important data that uh, organizations hold. You, you've spoken all over the world. You do uh, global uh, security initiatives for Fortune 100 companies, but also for very small and mid-sized companies. And so uh, we're going to talk today with you about, uh, about hacking in its best practice. So let me ask you to get started, uh, uh, Andre. Uh, how do you go about a system assessment when uh, a company, uh, large or small, calls you and say, you know, we don't want to be hacked. Uh, would you help us? What do you do? Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I'd love to explain a little bit. It um, depends a little bit on the type of assessment or type of system we are talking about. And um, maybe as an example, we take a web application. Um, and to specify, a web application is pretty much anything you are using on the internet. Uh, nowadays, this can be in a work version of a front app or a web app on your phone or your computer. And uh, the first step is to start with a deep reconnaissance of the system you're testing. Um, that means looking at uh, and it's one of the most important phases, honestly, right? And this is where we gather all public available information about the target organization, as well as the target application that we are attacking. Well, so this like is partly search. The, yeah, this is partly the hardwiring of the company and uh, what the apps it's using and what the platform it's on. You're really fi finding out, uh, you know, if this were a human being, find out all about the body. Is, is that the first step? It is, and it's probably very similar to uh, what, uh, what has happening in the legal system, right? Um, but uh, yes, we would try to find anything that's happening. Has this company recently done a merger? Has this, uh, have they released a new software version of one of their products? Um, what is happening on search engines, on social networks, uh, employee complaining, uh, news groups, the dark web? Uh, has there been a hack before? Um, is there data available for purchase in the heart in the dark web, for example, uh, containing user information? So you're really um, get a clear baseline as to what's going on. Okay, exactly. Yeah. And once and the we, second, once you know that, what happens? Yeah, and we know more about our target system. Then we try to understand what services are reachable from the internet. What software um, is this company using? 
uh, and so on. We call that mapping. Uh, and uh, in, in, in case of a map web application, um, we try to understand how does it work, what does it do, how is each of the different components and web pages working with each other, how do all those pieces fit together, and that gives us the opportunity to really identify the attack points for our team, how we can leverage um, the relationships between different components of the web application. Really quite essential. Uh, people may remember the target uh, data breach of a few years ago. And it all started with an HVAC contractor who was just supplying services to target, you know, was the, exactly. the way the bad actor got in. And so you map the entire system and you know the points of vulnerability. That's, that's critical. That's stage two. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and going with that stage is also running a little bit more active scanning um, of, uh, of the system, which includes finding out what operation uh, systems uh, they're running, what services they're running, what software versions they're running, uh, because that gives us the uh, understanding of where we can yeah, try to look for vulnerabilities. Okay, so now you've got the diagnostics done and you've got the map, and then, and then what? What happens next? Next is really a combination of automated and uh, manual penetration testing, where we now start looking for vulnerabilities on this map. Um, and uh, you start typically with uh, scanning using some automated tools, and then you find uh, a opportunity to go in. That is typically when you switch to uh, manual penetration testing. Planning um, for planning for a tech attack. That's what you're doing. Planning for an attack. And yeah. in case in case of, of a web application that's often related, the first step at least is related to a weakness or a vulnerability in any of the user input fields, allowing right. a user to input data. Because at the end of the day, this is just a user talking to a server uh, via software. At, uh, at the highest level of abstraction. And if you can uh, misuse that field, and if that field is not properly locked down, you might be able to speak to that server using um, you know, your, your skills and uh, not just using username and password, but using commands and uh, trying to trick that server to do something that uh, it was not like to do. Right, okay, <clears throat> Stay, uh, stage four, what is that? So that's really the exploit. Uh, what we would call. So when we believe there is a vulnerability, we go in and uh, we uh, attack the system. And uh, the idea is here to gain privilege access, right? So now we are trying to escalate our rights within that web application from a normal user site, right, into a um, privileged user, meaning uh, having admin rights, being able to see databases behind um, so, yeah, that's very often where we try to exploit um, unauthorized access, and that's when we start seeing sensitive data, right? Or we try this, to escalate. Mm -hmm. And this is where, of course, uh, for people who understand the web, you have the surface web, uh, you know, you do a Google search and, you know, it's public information. And then there's the deep web, but, you know, people with passwords and firewalls and so on. And then you have the dark web, which is even more complicated to have its own way of getting into things. And so you're exploiting what you can within an organization that has engaged you to see where the weaknesses are and actually then try to get in there, right? And Yeah, and, and 
we, we would not be in a in a dark web situation here. We would actually be in the network, um, at least the public facing network of the organization at this point, because a web application typically has different components, databases, web application firewalls, web servers, and so on. And we would slowly work our way into the organization, into um, the systems that manage um, authentication and authorization, where we can then uh, exploit and try to escalate the rights into something that's more of an admin. Um, and from there, we'll jump over to other servers, um, remote command execution, RTE. All the different ways to get in. And then stage five is what? The assessment, the report back to the company or, or what? Yeah, that's, really, that's really the, the report, right? We're not trying to... Uh, ransom out of this you're trying to uh, help this company so that this attack that we were able to execute does not happen again so it's a detailed technical report management summary more a board level one pager but then typically 100 150 pages at, at the very least describing in detail uh, which vulnerabilities we found which we were able um, to exploit how far we got we are showing screenshots of the data we found um, and evidence, uh, and that goes to the user, to the customer, and then gets uh, gets discussed with management, with the technical team, and uh, yeah, trying to help. Um, okay, and in, in, in general, with uh, customers, uh, uh, potential clients, about how long does that all take? The five phases, uh, ending up with a report. You know, that's a great question, Joe, because if you have unlimited resources, unlimited budget, uh, like some of the state-sponsored uh, hacking groups have, um, then, you know, you find zone unlimited, right? But uh, companies do not. Uh, so typically for something uh, like this, you would take between six and, uh, and eight days um, of, uh, of active uh, penetration testing of that application. Yeah, but Maybe a little like... Sort of like a military exercise, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, do you do it or you get it done and you learn a lot and you, you beef up your defenses? Well, let exactly. me ask you this, uh, Andre. When you do these kinds of things, what types of personal data, data about real people uh, rather than the company itself, do you find that companies keep in their systems? I mean, it really depends on the industry <laughs> we are testing, but. Uh, if we look at the, the most recent uh, ones, obviously, uh, pictures of, of COVID tests uh, all over the place. Um, talk about uh, airlines or government institutes, there's obviously passports um, that you find. Uh, there's all kinds of privilege information. If you think about the healthcare industry, um, patient record, PII relevant information, HIPAA relevant information. Um, from a technical perspective, really concerning, we found uh, often private keys of SSL certificates, meaning anything that a company wants to encrypt is using this private key to your castle. If you have that private key, you can decrypt anything that that company is uh, encrypting, for example, databases, uh, traffic, uh, all the user traffic. So, yeah. That's, uh, and then uh, employees of companies uh, often use the company computer to say, oh, hello, happy birthday. And by the way, and then, you know, uh, off credit card information, all sorts of things. So so when a company's doing this, it's also protecting the, uh, frankly, the private information of a lot of its employees and uh, affiliates. Right. So you find all sorts of things. What what do you what have you found to be the key weaknesses in systems that uh, that should be fixed? Mm -hmm. 
I think in general, the key weaknesses are still typically bound to authentication and authorization mechanisms of the systems we have. Yeah. Um, that starts with easy things like the vendor password. That's how the system ships out uh, to you. A vendor password that hasn't been changed um, moves on to admin accounts being used for regular user activities. You have all sorts of rights on this machine. Um, and obviously that helps us exploiting running code, um, which a user account can't. And then third is really the absence of, of multi-factor, two-factor authentication um, used for, for critical systems, um, especially in the admin area. Yeah. That's an important one. Yeah, we're talking, you and I are talking on February of the year 2022. And what do you recommend as best practice these days? Two-factor uh, Identification, me authentication. It's it's, it's it's a great it's a great question, Joe. Right, and it's always the 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 balance between the user experience team in a company that, for example, designs a web application or a mobile app for a phone, um, where the user is king. Uh, software developers uh, design applications to give the best possible user experience, and that typically does not mean uh, the best security. Um, so we're all in a hurry, aren't we? We don't want to do all this stuff, but you see, try to make it simple. And and yet, if you don't, you've got a, you've got a real weakness is what you're saying. You know, password rotation. If you are using an app and every 30 days, every 60 days, every 90 days, you have to change your password or your password complexity is uh, 12 digits and the symbols used and, and so on, right? Nothing that's memorable. Those things are great from a security perspective and will deter very often in regular attacks, um, but obviously not very uh, user-friendly. So that fight is, uh, is obviously... It's a balance. It's always a balance. Going on. It's always a balance, yeah. But one well, of the we, top, yeah, the go top ahead. tips to, to kind of... Uh, to prevent um, attacks, right? The number one is still... Keeping your operating system and your systems up to date with uh, patches that vendors release, right? Especially uh, for anything that is connected to the internet. That is really number one. That effort has to occur on a regular basis, uh, not uh, every six months, but as soon as a patch comes out, you can assume there is a vulnerability that can and is currently being exploited. So fix it as soon as you can. Right, and we've seen that recently uh, with the Apple uh, the upgrade in the iPhone, which created such a a storm of interest about the balance between privacy and uh, accessibility, and you know, and so on. And so, just do it immediately, and insist that all employees who are patching in uh, to to your system uh, do it as well. Right, they should. They really should be locked out. What other top prevention right. tips do you have for? Uh, organizations beyond, uh, uh, when appropriate, doing a system assessment? You know, you really need to, to defend yourself, you really need to know what is connected to your network, right? Only if you do that, then you can start uh, thinking about how you can defend it. <clears throat> and very often, companies do not know at the end of the day what is connected to their network and what is opening doors um, in the background. So really understanding what is on your network um, is, is critical. Yeah. So even if uh, for you gave the five-phase uh, discussion earlier, uh, Andre, thanks. The first two, really, you're saying as a matter of safety, uh, any business ought to know 
uh, it's diagnostics and then it's mapping. Without, without that, you're uh, you're in big trouble. You're saying absolutely, but that requires advanced uh, technology that companies are still in the process of upgrading to or maybe not looking at. Um, but uh, you know, imagine Joe, if you hand out your Wi-Fi password to one of your employees, how do you stop yeah. that person from plugging in a smart toaster that might have a vulnerability that might get onto your production? Well, network. that leads to uh, maybe our last question <laughs> in this podcast. So interesting, and that's for individuals. I mean, the no one knows for sure, but uh, you hear many commentators say that eighty percent of the uh, the entry points are really the result of individuals uh, within an organization just doing something they really shouldn't have done, getting fished or spearfished or be the victim of social engineering. Uh, whatever the percentage is, we know it's quite high. So for individuals, what what are the top three tips uh, you might have for us about uh, how to prevent our businesses from being attacked and uh, keeping our own personal information at home secure? Mm -hmm. I think I would love to lead on with, uh, with uh, training yourself or as an organization. Uh, train your employees, train yourself about uh, fitting attacks and uh, about the human being the really the weakest chain in, in, in the security chain here, right? Uh, if according a successful phishing attack will circumvent any defense mechanism, uh, no, no matter how strong that lock is, right? Um, so for your, yourself at home, uh, try to educate yourself. Don't click and on this is not one time uh, you watch an hour video. This is constant uh, training, uh, making it a matter of any job that uh, people need to avoid letting bad actors in the IT system. Look at your personal situation, right? Uh, probably three years ago, phishing attacks were only done uh, via email. And you could say, well, an email comes in, I don't know it, I don't click in it. But uh, right now, this is shared uh, via social media, this is shared via direct text messages, um, trying to explore the mobile phone aspect of it. So hackers uh, evolve on a constant basis. And that uh, the attack surface that a human, a company is facing, is evolving on a constant basis. So yes, you keep educating yourself. Right. Personal training, number one tip. Uh, what 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 yeah. what other two uh, top tips would you have for us? Um, certainly, different passwords with a high complexity uh, for each login and each application, and uh, that is doable by using a password vault that you can have on your computer on your phone. Uh, that has and even creates all these uh, complex passwords. I personally have hundreds and hundreds of passwords. I don't know any of them. I know one, and that gets me into my password vault, and uh, that vault takes care of my complex passwords. Um, and you say this that, is an interesting point, if I may uh, ask yeah, and build on what you said. There's the passport vault, and then there's also the passport manager uh, role where you engage a company to help do that, and maybe they're related. But is there a best practice currently on that? Would you urge everyone to get a password manager? Or as long as you're keeping your passwords uh, secure through a vault, as you've expressed it, about equally uh, good? What, what's your advice? <laughs> my mom has one. 
Um, no, uh, <laughs> kidding. But yeah, uh, you know, the problem with, with, with password vaults and having or not having them is that suddenly your notepad on your computer on your phone becomes that password vault now and you start writing down no, something yeah. in clear text. So this password vault will give you a opportunity using two-factor authentication, um, Faith ID for Apple or biometrics uh, and so on to get into that vault. Sometimes you don't even need that master password, right? And then you have uh, individual passwords. And, and that brings up a very important point. If you're using um, the same password for your LinkedIn login as you do for your online banking and LinkedIn gets hacked and the data is being sold in the dark web uh, and opens now the door for a uh, attacker to just purchase your data set and uh, log into your online banking. And then if you don't have to affect the authentication, um, which is another <laughs> recommendation uh, to keep your personal information secure, uh, enabling two-factor authentication um, wherever possible, if you don't have to activate it, now uh, you're, you're, at, you're really um, at risk. We have training, we have different passwords and the idea of uh, securing your passwords. And one more tip you'd uh, leave our listeners? Definitely keep your operating system, all the installed software up to date. Uh, for computers, obviously, you have a basic firewall, um, virus scan uh, enabled. But uh, the most important uh, thing is keep your software up to date and uh, don't click on anything <laughs> You're getting via email unless you know um, really where that is coming from. Well, Andre, thank you so much for taking on this tour of ethical hacking and a way to really prevent uh, systems uh, from uh, being hacked in the first place by bad actors. And then beyond that, what we all can do to protect not only our organization's data, but, but our own personal information that's so precious to us. As always, I'll conclude by reminding us, protecting your personal data begins with you.